Hey everyone and welcome to The Breakfast Pod, your weekly dose of gaming news, joined by my co-host as always, Mr. Blue, how's it going? It's been going well. It's been a while since we've spoken under these contexts. Yeah, it's nice it has, to be back. Yeah, it has been a while. Welcome to the first episode of the year. We took a few weeks off just because life got busy and then game news sort of shrinks and shrivels and dies over the holiday period. And there actually isn't a huge amount of news this week, but there were a few headlines that sort of caught my attention. And I'm sure Blue and I got some games we can talk about at the end there as well. Sure thing. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed your break, Blue. <laughs> Remind so, me about the break <laughs> that you so speak of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All gone in a flash. Um, so the first bit of news is The Binding of Isaac Repentance, which is a long-awaited final expansion for the beloved roguelike. It's getting a new release date of March 31st. Uh, this has been in the works for quite a while, almost three years now, actually, mm. and is in development in conjunction with the creators of the anti-birth mod which is super popular in the binding of isaac community which i'm not a member of so i don't know a huge amount of that but uh yeah it's going to be bringing along it's basically an entirely new game so there's like new items new enemies 25 new bosses which is like a huge deal huge. and of course yeah. thousands of newly randomized rooms to fight through and uh yeah new trailer it's looking pretty pretty awesome it's coming to steam and then uh consoles at a later date and uh, people, from judging from the comments and stuff around this, people are still really jazzed to be playing Isaac. Like, I know it's always featured in a lot of events yeah, around yeah. Twitch and YouTube and stuff. Uh, but it feels like people have been really hanging out for this new content for quite some time. And, uh, you know, there is a bit of a, a groundswell behind it, which is super exciting to see. Absolutely. Echoes everything I was going to say. Uh, I know that the community is, like, still active and still ongoing. I know that Isaac was the gateway for a lot of people to get a bit more serious into, like, runs and times and stuff like that uh at a variety of levels because like the the competitive speed run times for isaac tend to be i believe on fixed seed runs um and and, and you know roguelikes are always super interesting for um this kind of like how well can you do how fast can you do it kind of thing uh, yeah I'm super happy to see about hear about this coming through do you it's think um... that this is actually going to be final 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 that's what they're saying, but mm. I mean, this game has been out since oh, I was still working at MMGN, so mm. that's like going back like 2012, 2013, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's is definitely my first roguelike, right? It was mm. this and Rogue Legacy were like my first roguelikes, and I think this was definitely the one that kickstarted in earnest the everything's a roguelike now because yeah. it started spawning like this is a genre that has been around forever, but no one really made anything yeah. out of it. And it's accessible. Years. Like, the mechanics are accessible. It's not hard to exactly. get your head around a twin-stick shooter. Whereas actual yeah. rogue requires so much tactical understanding of the world. We will, like, Yeah, we can talk about that a little later, actually. <laughs> sure <laughs> but, um, thing, sure thing. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think that um, while I have finished, uh, you know, a basic run of Isaac before, but it's just the the setting of it just never sit well with me. Like, it's yeah. just not my thing, but yeah. I'm... I super appreciate everything it does and McMillan and what he's doing. And um, mm. yeah, it's just great to see the legacy of this game continue mm. to not only continue, but to grow even mm -hmm. more. Mm. Absolutely. And this is an interesting one. It's not, it's not really news, but it was like some sort of weird technical wizardry I thought was interesting. So apparently there are people that are very enthusiastic about Mies 
which Nintendo you know, if you don't know, the, yeah. yeah, if you don't know what a Mii is, it's a, the little uh, avatars that you could create on the Wii and the Wii U and the 3DS. Yeah, um, I'm sure if you had an image of one right now, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, there are enthusiasts around Mii's apparently, and Hey, I'm Heroic is one of them, and they've made an interesting discovery that most human NPC characters featured in Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild are actually advanced designs from those Mii's. So according to this user, the files within the game are created using, uh, sorry, the files within the game are called Yumi's and they mostly have the same parameters as the Mii system from the 3DS and Wii U. And they put up a post on Twitter where they've just like, here's this character from Wii Sports now rendered beautifully within Breath of the Wild. Here's my Mii in Breath of the Wild. And they're actually starting to take commissions for get your Mii injected into the game, which apparently is something everyone's very excited about. Um, and it's only, uh, all the NPCs in the game are actually based on this Yumi format, but only the human characters have the physical traits that mimic the traditional Mii's pretty weird, pretty weird stuff. And like, when you see it, you're just like, you can't unsee it. So now every time I see breath of the wild NPCs, I'm definitely going to be thinking of Wii sports. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the big thing is that traditional Mii's don't really have limbs, right? Because... They yeah. were meant to be super multi-purpose, and, and obviously Breath of the Wild does have that kind of stuff. So the bodies themselves will still be nice, for lack of a better word there. It's just that the faces, <laughs> yeah, the facial construction, once you once you pay attention... I mean, to be fair, Mii's were designed to be, like, generic and, and usable yeah, across yeah, yeah. multiple games. So it's not super surprising uh, that Nintendo is reusing technology that they've had within a game like this. Yeah, it's just it's just pretty interesting to see this system that a lot of people have forgotten about because, you know, the the Miis, while they're still around on the Switch a little bit, they're not really a prevalent feature like they were no. on the 3DS or the Wii U. No. Like, ever, Wii, since, ever since the Miitopia and stuff, like the Nintendo Online not forums, not message board system was taken down. The Miis um, have been just dropping off because that's been that the purpose of them was always to be the player's visual representation in an online scenario and with that going away nintendo felt no reason to really push them very much anymore but hey technology's yeah, but still the, there yeah yeah the interesting thing that this just made me remember how much fun i used to have with street pass on the 3ds yeah absolutely and collecting all those Mii's, and i was like oh yeah. Mii's are actually really cool why don't they bring that back to the switch oh wait there's a pandemic and we never go outside anyway so mm. it doesn't matter <laughs> but yeah, it was just an interesting uh, bit of news that sort of came along. The fact that it made headlines probably tells you how little news there was this week. Uh, <laughs> Hitman 3 is launching later this month. I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of that newer reboot trilogy. And just like its predecessor before it, it'll be bringing along all of the content for Hitman 2 and mm. Hitman the original with mm. nifty new features along the way. Mm. Uh, so IO Interactive announced this via while speaking to Reset Error, uh, and due to advanced file and texture compressions, they've actually managed to compress the entire trilogy down to about 100 gigabytes, which is it's pretty absurd. impressive because those games are sprawling. Yeah. And the old content will benefit from visual upgrades, just like they did in Hitman 2. Yep. Uh, and the example that they used is that Hitman 3 handles reflections in an entirely different way, so they're actually like freeing up bandwidth and that sort of thing because it used to render the scenes twice yeah. when doing reflections where now it's only doing it in real time. Uh, so you'll see things like um, the fashion uh, episode 
or mission rather, not episode. Um, the fashion mission from the first Hitman game apparently just looks phenomenal in this new setting. I, I uh, could when... have only imagined like lots of shining lights and camera flashes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Hitman 2 did a similar thing where it brought all the content across from Hitman 1 and it added a bunch of new mechanics. Yep. The, the big ones being that characters could see reflections in mirrors in mm. Hitman 2 and they added that back to Hitman 1. It sounds like Hitman 3 has less of that sort of stuff. Like it doesn't, at least they haven't revealed that there's any groundbreaking mechanics, which seeing reflections doesn't sound like a groundbreaking mechanic on paper, but, but on a stealth a game. Player, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Huge, huge deal. Yeah. So I think there's going to be less of that, but it's just going to look a lot nicer, but just having so much content just, under one. Yeah. Just, just to be able to say all the content is here. Like, Oh yeah. You're on, you, you only have Hitman three content, but now you also have Hitman one and two. Con- that's, how many hours that people sink into it? And people are able to go back with the experience they've had now and be like, oh, I can totally just... I know how this is going to work well, out. Like, Yeah, the interesting thing is Hitman 2, all of your online progress in terms of your XP and stuff carries over to Hitman 3, which yeah. is pretty awesome as well. Yeah. Um, so i am actually been playing through Hitman 2, sort of like, I'm going to do a mission and I'm sort of just trying to get every challenge on every mission. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I'll be at work and I'm like waiting for something to come in. So I'm like, I'll pick up and play for 20 minutes or something like that. And like, I've stopped playing now because I'm just going to wait for Hitman 3 to come, put it all under that that new engine and and get back to it then. But fantastic. It's coming out January 20 as an Epic Store exclusive on PC. I want to say this. How dare IO Interactive do this? This is setting the bar so high for everyone else. How the hell is anyone else supposed to compete with crap oh, like man. this? Like, every developer is going to be under fire for, like, the Hitman people put all the levels back in. Why can't you have backwards compatibility, Sony? Well. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> well. Well. How dare well, they make yeah. excellent content? Yeah, exactly. I think the, the story of Hitman is so fantastic. I think uh, no clip. Uh, who yeah. I bring up on this show a lot. They did a, a deep dive into oh, the very first one. But yeah. here's this company that's on the ropes, bought by Square Enix. They somehow got their franchise back, released it episodically. When they didn't mean uh, to. Which, like, everyone always yeah. says, like, Hitman works brilliantly episodically, and it wasn't designed that way. They didn't plan for that. It just so happened to yeah. work out. Yeah, and, like, to the point where I actually played hitman 2 like it was an episodic release yeah like once again i did not move on until i you were happy and most done. of the challenges yep. yeah um so yeah super cool i'm excited as i was saying it comes to epic store as an exclusive on pc however all of the content if you own hitman 1 and 2 on steam apparently will link across and then it's neat. also coming to the consoles as well very neat very neat Ice Pick Lodge, who are the, they're the team behind uh, Pathologic, which is actually a game I've been wanting to check out for about a year now. And I actually, reading about this kind of spurred me to, I'm going to do that in the next few weeks. Um, but anyway, this tiny developer, uh, they're making a new game called Known by Heart, which is very different from Pathologic. So Pathologic is this kind of first person horror game where you've got 12 days in a town Uh, and a plague is breaking out, and I believe it's just got a lot of branching narrative paths to go down, and depending on how things pan out, you get a different story almost every time. Um, Apparently, it's very, very good, but this is definitely not that. It's a low-poly adventure game uh, that follows a woman who's living in a small Russian town that still has Soviet sentiments, and then when a high school crush comes back into town, they uh, see a chance to escape from all of this, but the newly formed bonds bring up bad things from the past, and... I don't know, it just, it looks really interesting and nice and you don't see that many games set in Russia that aren't, you know, based around being war-torn or 
something like that. Mm. So uh, I think, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up just because it looks pretty interesting and from a studio that seems to be making pretty interesting games and it's mm. so different from their back catalogue. Uh, but yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Comes out on Steam later this year. Mm. The the other bit of news here, we're just firing through this news. Um, In Exile Entertainment, studio behind Wasteland, headed up by Brian Fargo, who many say is behind the Fallout series, really, because Wasteland was out before Fallout and then he worked on Fallout 1. Anyway, they've been making like classic RPGs like The Bard's Tale and The Wasteland series. They are currently working on a brand new first-person shooter RPG. Uh, Not much else is known. They've uh, been dropping out ads, which is how this news came up. The quote from the ad specifically asks for a senior gameplay designer that understands the moment-to-moment gameplay loops of first-person shooters and RPGs. Mm -hmm. And they will... The ad also mentions that the game will have powerful tactile first-person weapons and unique combat abilities. Uh, To see a studio that they've started off i believe wasteland 2 was a kickstarter project when they brought that back uh and you know wasteland 3 has just been this quiet sleeper hit it's like everyone i know who's played it talks about how just amazing it is right Uh, but it's like it's it's been on game pass for a long time the entire tactical game is playable as a campaign and co-op which is pretty rare for a genre like that Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's super cool uh apparently it's another one i want to check out Mm. but to see that studio step out and like we're going to make a different type of game but still in the realm of what we've been successful with like i'm always exciting to see studios take steps like that so more to be heard we it does look like it's going to be a new ip it's not going to be like a fallout spin-off that was the first rumor i heard is that they're working on vegas 2 new vegas 2 yeah um apparently not but Uh, there's also the very minute possibility that this doesn't end up being a first person game that they just want the experience to be able to carry forward the feeling but chances are yeah Absolutely. Uh, oh, it might not ever hit the light of day. They make a prototype and it's no good, right? Yeah, but. Never, never know. Never know. Uh, now, People Can Fly, Polish studio, uh, well known for their Bullet Storm uh, game. Yep. Uh, their new co-op shooter, Outriders, has been delayed again. Now, I will admit, I actually hadn't watched any Outriders footage. I'd heard the name. I knew who was making it. I never actually watched a trailer for it. Kind of looks pretty cool. But they announced that the game would not be hitting its planned February release and uh, that they will be releasing it on April 1st and they were very clear to say this is not a joke. Um, (laughs) I'm going to read the statement because I think the statement is quite telling actually as to why they're doing this. Happy New Year. We believe it's important that players get to experience a new IP like Outriders before release so that you can decide for yourselves whether the game is something you wish to pre-order, purchase or play. For this reason, we're excited to announce that on February 25th, 2021, we will be publishing a free demo, giving everyone the chance to play the first few hours of the game with all four classes in both single player and co-op, along with seamless migration of your character and progress to the full game. Speaking of which, we've decided to move the release of Outriders to April 1st, 2021. No joke. We will spend that extra time fine-tuning the game and focusing on delivering a fantastic play experience at launch. Thanks for hanging tight a little longer. We appreciate your patience. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I find this so telling is they are a Polish studio. Mm-hmm. A gigantic game from Poland recently came out and destroyed consumer confidence <laughs> in in platforms and things like that. And then we have a new IP from a studio that has some notoriety but isn't absolutely massive yet. 
Uh, it's almost like they're trying to apologize to be like, we, we believe in our product so much. We're going to give you hours up front. Um, which is also really interesting. And that's actually what made me be like, I might actually check this out. Because, uh, yeah, reading about it, it seemed like it was pretty good, but I was like, I've got like dozens of games that are just like this. But uh, yeah, just having them have, I guess, the balls, I guess, to come out. Like, we're going to give you a couple of hours because you should know what you're pre-ordering. Which if I can't take that any other way than them reading the room and being like, people don't want to pre-order stuff after what just happened. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I it's pr- pretty think it's really cool as well because... Studios have fallen off of doing this, where they let you keep progress from your demo. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's really cool. I also want to say, Bulletstorm is an amazingly competent game. Like it's oh yeah, so fun. It's yeah, so much better than Gears of the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, the game and before that, they also were involved in a game called Hard Reset, which was this tiny little indie thing where they built the entire engine from scratch, first person mm. shooter, and it just looked phenomenal. I believe that. Uh, they went off to then form People Can Fly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Bulletstorm came out and the only issue I have with that game is its tone. Like, I just don't like games or media that have it's that not tone. not even the from tone a... necessarily. Like, the tone in the marketing is not what the tone in the game is. Yeah, it is true. It is true. But I, I, there was something about the way that it felt in terms of just like this silly, quippy stuff. Like, I just don't like games like that. But in terms yeah. of gameplay, like, I loved it. It was so... It's so amazing. Like, yeah, interesting. Absolutely, and just training. I, yeah. they managed to make score systems fun in twenty whatever it was launched in thirteen. Or yeah, which is absurd. Yeah. Also, if you think back to that era, Bulletstorm doesn't look like anything now. But think back to the era, Bulletstorm's colorful. Yeah, versus exactly. the games the that came out of brown and gray. Yeah, it was this bombastic looking thing, right? I, it, it's not a crime what happened to Bulletstorm. I think their marketing was horribly off point and it makes a lot of sense why the re- reception to Bulletstorm is the way it is but it took me a lot of years to give Bulletstorm a chance and I was very glad when I did so I'm not upset that I didn't do it early because uh you know game time whatever um yeah. but if if you are interested in what people can fly can do and may not want to invest in this uh, Outriders yet definitely check out the demo it's probably worth giving a shot if this sounds somewhere up your alley otherwise check out Bulletstorm is real real good um it's aged okay as well in terms of the shooter mechanics uh the gameplay the dialogue the writing not so much but um yeah the shooter mechanics actually still hold up in my opinion so yeah pretty keen to check out outriders i think it'll be a good time and now we can do so for free because of an awesome demo tell you what's not so awesome though blue minecraft earth is shutting down shutting down june 30th i totally forgot that minecraft earth was a thing I didn't know it was um, a thing. For those who don't know, it's basically like to distill it down. It's uh, it's Pokemon Go, but Minecraft. Like it's one of those ARG real world things. Uh, they've made the decision to shut it down at the end of June. They didn't give a reason why. I would happen to imagine. I would have to imagine it's due to a pandemic and no one can really go outside and do that stuff. And Pokemon already mm-hmm. has it sewn up now. And uh, yeah, so they're shutting it down. All the real world money transactions have been removed. So anyone who has spent money on the game since it launched will receive a copy of Minecraft Bedrock Edition. And all of the content that the studio had in development that they finished up is already in the build as of this week. It looked pretty neat. It definitely looked kind of cool. Um, admittedly, I never tried it. I don't even know if I could. I think there might have been some sort of alpha beta sort of period there. Uh, so, you know, it's always sad to see an idea shut down. 
um, especially, you know, something like this, which is still a pretty new and exciting sort of uh, genre to be exploring. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I can't think of any reason why Minecraft couldn't make it work. It has to be to the pandemic, I would imagine. Possibly. Sometimes, sometimes the revenue like for uh, forecasting also just doesn't work out. It's hard to say because it's a live service game. It's ongoing and you have to take into account how much it costs to keep people working on a project. You know, it's not free revenue. Like a lot of, a lot of games you release it and you just have tail, which is just pure revenue. This is not that way. This isn't that yeah. case. Um, I think it's super interesting as a case study because we don't see live service games. Don't die gracefully. Yeah. They tend to go out on a whimper and a sad note. But, you know, this at least has some grace with his exit, it's giving anyone who put money into it Bedrock Edition, which potentially converts more people into that. At the very least, it gets people to consider it, which is a, a cool thing. Like I, I've been saying across the past month or so, Minecraft is a really cool game where it is now. Um, Bedrock is... I, I prefer the Java Edition. Bedrock has a lot more... Oddly, Bedrock has a lot more glitches involved, as far as I can tell. So... I mean, they're both still very, very usable and, and cool concepts, uh, platforms for Minecraft, though. So, super interesting that live service game is able to go out on its own terms, effective, because normally a live service game goes out when it's just a complete money sink and everyone's sick and tired. Yeah, exactly. Of clinging, clinging to survival when it shouldn't be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're going over to Blue's Trash Corner. What have you got for us this week? Blue's Blue? Trash Corner is a beacon of hope this week. <laughs> I know. I love how I don't know how this happened, but it's just yeah, it's Blue's Trash Corner now. This is what we call it. Yeah, Awesome Games Done Quick is an annual event that is sister to the other uh, event that happens about six months apart, which is uh, Summer Games Done Quick. So AGDQ, SGDQ, the Games Done Quick series are charity modern day telethons, effectively, where you can just donate money to it and it goes to a charity. AGDQ always donates to uh, the Prevent Cancer Foundation, which is an American-based um, cancer, uh, cancer research organization uh, aiming at you know preventative measures and basically ed educating people on stuff, things like that. And every year, these two events raise quite a significant sum of money as, as far as being raised from the average layman. And this year's AGDQ um has managed to set a new record for the speed at which it hit its first million US dollars raised which is just under uh 5 days i believe it's uh 4 days and something so uh as a note this is currently being recorded uh japan time friday afternoon uh agdq will continue to run until japan time monday but then the podcast will be out by then so you won't be able to catch any of this live if you're hearing about this for the first time over this podcast However, all of the VODs are being uploaded to the uh, Games Done Quick YouTube channel, like, almost immediately. Highly recommend checking it out, uh, if not for the, like, charity angle, for the amazing skill being displayed. I have seen so many... Speedrunning is an interesting thing. It is the, the, best player at, the best players at certain games trying to, you know, play the game the most good-like. Uh, I don't know how to like <laughs> say that in a in a not stupid way, but like yeah, it's, you know, it's the best players of a game kind of showcasing their skill, and there's often you know something that say uh, it, marathon setting, meaning that when you're showing the game off in an event like GDQ, you're not playing to try to get world record, you're playing to try and show off what the game is capable of, what happens when a game is pushed to its absolute limits. 
don't think of this as breaking the game. Think of this as playing so well within the boundaries of the game that you can step outside of the boundaries when you know exactly where they are. And it's it's there are two ways to approach it. Um, I would recommend if you want to go and look for games and stuff to watch, pick a game you've never seen before and would have never gone to play. For example, go and watch. Um, there is a, a Philip CDI Legend of Zelda Wand of Gamelon cutscene, all cutscenes speedrun showcase effectively it's such a trip that's such a that's such an amazing game to watch and you can just watch it without having to experience the horrible controls and it's done in like just over an hour i don't remember the exact time or pick a game that you're super familiar with like i totally want to sit down with you steve and watch the left 4 dead 2 run because that that shit's cool that that's there's a lot of cool stuff in there um i was very annoyed that i couldn't I was doing a work task where I couldn't have like a distraction. I was like, "Oh no, yeah. that sounds so cool." Yeah, absolutely. Like that, you know, things like, "Oh, he hears a hunter jumping," immediately flicks the mouse, melees the air because the hunter's hitbox extends in front of it, and knowing that to be able to get the hunter off him. Because if you're playing solo, which was this was a solo run, if you get caught by an infected, you're done. Like you're done. You, you no no one's there to save you. You know. That kind of stuff, like playing so well that you can like work around these games that that aren't meant to be like just pushing the game to its limits. Um, super super fun and super entertaining. If you've never seen a speed run before, GDQ runs are like a great intro. And so these are marathon runs, as in you know done to showcase cool things. Oftentimes they'll do um, inefficient things to be able to show off more cool stuff. But I've seen so many world records being set on this marathon live as well. Like, and, and it's always such a treat to like have the runners end and go, so what was my time for that? Oh, I think that's a world record. You know, like <laughs> that kind of reaction. Like, oh no, I think that was a world record. Oh, and then you can just see the, it's so human. Yeah. Like, honestly, watch speedruns for the human component. Don't watch speedruns for the games. That's cool as well. But watch speedruns for the human component. Like, there are genuine people behind the screens here doing it. And... This is all being run online. I want to point out, AGDQ is traditional. The GDQs are traditionally an in-person event with halls, with a hall full of people. You know, like a hotel ballroom full of people behind them in chairs, cheering at all hours of the day. It's a 24-hour, seven-day marathon, like just of runners in and out, in and out. Uh, but with the pandemic, it's now all online, and that's super cool. Like I don't know how many people have been paying attention to how the world has been progressing to a primarily online um, thing. And now we have this scenario where hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of people tune in to watch this marathon, to cheer people on who are speedrunning from the comfort of their homes, to raise money for charity for you know this foundation that uh, is researching cancer prevention. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's really, really that's awesome. cool. Okay, all right. Blue's Trash Corner's all right, I guess. <laughs> and that's it for me. So, Blue, what did you play over the break? Did you play anything exciting? I played a few things that are out of the ordinary because I was prepping for uh, Platforms and Pitfalls, the other podcast I'm on, which we have... Um, the last time I was on, we did not have any mm-hmm. episode for December out yet. But that episode is now out. So if you're interested in catching the end to the Fabula Nova Crystallis series discussion that we had, go check that out. Um, however, in preparation for recording more of that podcast, I played a couple of interesting games. The one I want to bring up is Jumping Flash. Jumping Flash. Every now and then, via platforms and uh, flash. and pitfalls, we come across a game that we go, "Why is that game good? Like, why did I enjoy that game so much?" Uh, Jumping Flash is one of them. Jumping Flash is at ninety. I want to say ninety-five 
uh, PS1 era game, uh, and it is it. it's all right. I'm looking it up right now. It is uh, it is a 3D environment platformer done from first person perspective, where you have by default um, a jump and then two jumps in the air, and it controls better than any 3D platformer I've ever played. Like it controls better than any Mario I've ever seen. That's... It controls better than Donkey Kong. And first person platformer. Right. Yeah. First person platformer. Uh, the thing that all shooters in the Yeah, late on on the PlayStation 1. Uh the the super cool uh, thing is that it's first person um and when you jump after your second jump, your camera immediately is forced to look down at where you're landing. So you get super precise control oh. over where you're landing in a platformer. Playing this game has made me lose respect for so many 3D platforms. I Psychonauts was one of the things that could have been talked about today. Psychonauts, I played only a small amount of it because the platforming felt horrible. And at the time, I was like, oh, whatever, it's early platformers. But after playing Jumping Flash, which preceded that, I'm like, no, they don't really have an excuse. And to be fair, those are third-person platformers, but still. You know, a lot of early 3D platformers were given excuse because, oh, they're early. But something made in first person, in my opinion, feels very good. And one of the things is that it has kind of some, the level of responsiveness you'd expect out of Mega Man. You don't have Mega Man controls. Like, it's it's bloody tank controls as well, I want to add. So, like, getting something that's two feet to your left is harder than jumping oh, really? across the stage to get to it. But once you're in the air and jumping across the stage to get through it, it's actually quite well, like, it controls super well. In your first jump, before you do your second jump, you have strafing ability from tank controls. It's so fascinating from a design perspective. you know what it was originally called before it was called Jumping Flash? I did not look that up, I don't think. Springman. Springman, the Japanese name, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many people listening would go through the effort of trying to emulate a PS One to play something like this. But if you do, if you're interested in design, if you're interested in platformers, and if you've never heard or seen of, uh, heard heard of this or seen it before, it's really interesting. It controls super well for what it is. It has no right to, but it does. And like kudos, this was made as a technical demo for the PlayStation's 3D um, rendering capabilities as well. I would like to add. So it's not like this was, you know. It, People don't expect those games IGN to do well. IGN in 1995 gave it um, a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. to say that nothing really changes. <laughs> nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because there's not much depth to it, right? Like, the goal of the game is you run around, collect four... Um, they're called rocket pods. They're carrots. Because you're, mm-hmm. you play a robot bunny. I think the name of it. Robunny, I think, is the name of it. Something like that. Uh, and that's it. Like, you, you collect four carrots and get to the end goal. And then every three stages, you have a boss. So it's not anything in depth but the, it controls so well interesting i'm tempted and, uh, to it's really cool that, that's the only one i i think is like worth uh-huh, bringing up uh-huh. from the host uh, well, of we games did play that a bit i have divinity like, 2 together we did absolutely oh that was so fun that game is just and like, i hope continues to be oof, so fun. so good yeah especially like, the first like couple of hours yes yeah, especially uh, <laughs> the first couple of hours like uh, i could just play that Why? like maybe 12 14 times maybe why else would we play it yeah 12 or 14 times it has to be good yeah <laughs> um yeah so like we don't need to go into that because i'm sure anyone listening probably has played a lot of divinity but it's kind of like a it's a dungeons and dragons-esque world definitely simulated roll top playing stuff there to like the fact that it's doing a lot of dice rolls behind the scenes everything is dice roll based you're collecting gear you're up 
updating your attributes, all that sort of stuff. Very, very cool game. Typically not the sort of game that I would get into, but there was something in my brain that was just like, I really want to play this. Um, so we got it a while ago and we've started it yep. a dozen times. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating for various reasons, but we're we're actually finally at a point that we're almost at a place we haven't seen. We might see yet, new so. content soon, isn't that? Yeah. Stay tuned to more uh, Breakfast Pod for possibly new Divinity content. Yeah, in terms of other games I've been playing... Uh, Star Renegades, which a review went up this week for, or rather a quick look. That's a pretty neat JRPG roguelike. Um, pretty awesome sort of world setup and color palette. And just, it it brings in so many different things. Uh, I have not played a lot of JRPGs in the past. So its battle system is probably just a little bit over my head. Right. And I struggle with it. But most people who I know who have played a lot of JRPGs are like smashing through it. Mm. Um, it also brings in the nemesis system across from shadow of Mordor shadow of war, mm. um, with, where like, if an enemy kills you, they level up and they move up the chain and yep. they memories and thing. It's a very basic version of that. Um, but that was really cool to see in a roguelike setting. Made Consequences. A lot of sense in this world. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think it's doing a lot of interesting things, but because of that, you know, complexity in the combat for me personally, uh, the runtime is quite long, so I'm not getting that. Oh, just, just I'll give it one more crack, you know. Um, so it's like this thing that I sort of pick up every now and then, do a run and two, and then drop it. Uh, playing a lot of Loop Hero, which is a Devolver game coming out soon. I can't say anything more, uh, but a review will be going up at 11 p.m. on the 11th, which is Monday night here in Japan. 11, 11, um, 11, 11. So make sure that you check that out. Um, We'll talk more about that next week because I'm just going to say I really like that game a whole lot. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, what else to be playing? Phantom Brigade from the creators of Crypto the Necrodancer and could be no more different than that game. I can't believe that the same team is making this Gra- very highly polished 3D. Yeah, graphically, it's completely out there. Yeah, the graphically, it's just like, whoa, you guys learned to 3D animate? When? Yeah. What is this? Um, like pulling parts off a mech shelf to build a mech and take it out into the field. Like pretty impressive shift. Um, game's pretty cool. So Valen's editing that together. I just got codes for Olya, which oh, yeah. is a new Devolver Digital gated progression adventure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be checking that out. And... Uh, I finally got around to playing Ring of Pain. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Game is weird. It's interesting. Game is really yeah, weird. Is. and I. It's got good ambiance. Yeah, it's got a flavor. And I, I, yeah. I like the idea. But I, I'm i going to start it again with the tutorials on and just see if I wasn't paying attention or right, something. Because right. I find it very hard to know exactly how it's what surfacing the resu- information to me. Yeah, what what the result of your actions will be and stuff like that. Exactly. Mm. That's the struggle point that I have right now. Mm. I would say that I like it. I don't love it, uh, but I like it. Its decisions uh, are I- very almost linear, right? Because you always only have the two options in front of you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, not, 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 not true. always. Not like, always yeah. yeah. You can loop it around and stuff. And I yeah. think that's where the interesting part of the game, once I understand it, is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um Unlike something like Slay the... Like, I don't like comparing every card game that comes out to Slay the Spire, but it's yeah. hard not to. Yeah. But unlike Slay the Spire and Monster Train, it is definitely doing something different. Mm. 
I'm just well, not sure if I like that difference yet. Instead of Spiral Monster Train, it feels like if you play well enough, you can um, not take damage. It, Ring of Pain feels like it's supposed to exactly. wear you down as you the, go along, The idea is you're meant, to, feels you're meant to hard. do it and heal up and do the interesting yeah. combos to make sure you the, survive. The game is designed to attrition you down and wear, and like grind you down if you're good. If you're bad, yeah. you just outright die. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I want to say that like my a... experience with this was on the PAX floor, and even through headphones sitting in a crowded on a crowded floor, you still get quite a, a feel for the ambiance of the game, which is not easy to pull off. Yeah, it's, it's very it's very creepy. It's yeah. very like not scary, just creepy no, and no, a bit like, off-putting. Yeah, it, it wants you to feel like you're in the woods and things are watching you. And I think the but like uh, one thing that really just like really annoyed me. Um, so there's like this weird owl looking thing mm-hmm. um, that will occasionally pop up and give you like messages mm. and tell you more about what's going on or not tell you more depending on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I clicked on it because I had the message icon and instead my character attacked it and it killed me one shot because it's like got 90 health yeah. and 6,000 attack or something. Yeah. But I, but I had the message icon and I'm like, I have to specifically move the cursor down click that thing like i don't the thing is when it happened i didn't realize what happened it was only when i went and reviewed the footage of what happened ui and that yeah yeah, that was just a bit like uh, yep okay but i was in a bad mood when i played it too yeah it doesn't um, help but yeah it's it's interesting i'm unlike slay the spire and and monster train it hasn't got that hook into me where i'm like oh my god yes i've been waiting for this i've been waiting for this very fair Uh, but like the other game i'm about to talk to it's Got its hooks in enough that I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go play that later today sort of yep. situation. Ah, um, the roguelikes have gotten you. Right? Yes. So the ultimate of roguelike got me recently. Uh, Caves of Cud. Q-U-D. Uh, have you seen this game, Blue? Only via what you showed. Yeah. So it is rogue. Like yeah. blinking icons and at symbols, but it's got some art on it as well. But it looks like it's from that era. Like, does it? They've play purposely like made the artwork look very old, like yeah. on an Amiga or something. Does it play like um, Rogue? Yeah, so you like move spot by spot, oh. dot by dot. Each move is a turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're reading a lot of text. You have to manually yeah. equip everything. Uh, everything has lore attached to it that you can look at. You have to press the L button. Like, I was using a 60% ducky keyboard. Mm hmm. I put that back in the closet and got out my full numpad because you need the numpad to play the game. <laughs> That's how roguelike this is. Like yep. rogue like it is. Yeah. Um I have not been able to beat the first dungeon. I um often will die in my first twenty minutes in the run. They're they're all they're notoriously hard games, and I say they as if I know what all of these are, but like all all like any game all that, that directly harkens to Rogue will be horribly yeah. difficult the, because um, Rogue was never about beating kind games. of like Ring of Pain, but in a different way. Like I've closed this game in anger, right? Mm. And then immediately yep. opened it up five minutes later. I cannot shake. I don't even enjoy the game. I'm not gonna lie. I don't like it, but I don't know why I can't step away from it. There is just something here that is pulling at my brain. Yep. That I'm like, I need to just, I need to understand this. Like, there is, I don't know whether it's the the ambient music that's coming through and just the hue of the colors of the screen or 
I don't know exactly what it is that's calling to me, but it's like I'm in some sort of trance. I think about it. I want to go to it. I immediately get angry after I die six times in 20 minutes and then I close it and then I open it back up 10 minutes later and I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've never been drawn to these games before. In fact, in the Loop Hero video that's coming out, I specifically say I've never really gotten into games like Dwarf Fortress because I can't handle the mental gymnastics of there's no graphics, right? I'm willing to admit that. I'm a simple gamer. I need my things to look at least a little pretty. And I don't understand why now at the ripe old age of nearly 34, I'm playing this, but I cannot stop. I sound kind of mad, but I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's the eldritch horrors reaching out through video games. What can I say? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird, but like, I think why I'm gravitated towards this as opposed to the others is just it has this really strange ambient art attached to it. It has this really, like, what little I've heard of it, because I keep dying at the start, phenomenal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just got enough production value that it feels like a modern take on a very... It feels like I'm opening up a relic. Right? Yeah, that's cool. And not like a dusty thing that my dad's playing, but like I found this very special thing that no one's looked at for 150 years and I'm finally booting it up. Like that's what it feels like for some reason. There's something there's something to that. And the other thing is like it's a good game that I can have open while I'm doing some work because it is just very turn-based. You have to think about things a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So all right, I'm going to go do this email. I'm waiting for some assets to come in. Okay, let's look at the problem again for five more minutes. You know, sort yep. of thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but yeah, so that's a thing that I will, I'm thinking about streaming it. I saw Mesmer streamed it, mm-hmm. and a huge number of the community came in and told him how to play it. <laughs> like taught him like here are the basics. They weren't backseat gaming, but it's like you don't understand this part. Yeah, you, you need you need to know in order to yeah. play. Yeah. So I'm kind of like yeah, okay, maybe I might do that just for the interest sake of, Hey, someone tell me what I'm doing wrong. Sure. Um, sounds fun. But yeah, that's been, that's been also on my list. And, uh, if you look at my Trello, there's a backlog of God knows how many games. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been me. Awesome. Exciting times. And I guess, yeah, I guess that's the end of this podcast. You've already plugged your other podcast, but is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Be good to each other. It's a hard week. Love each other. Yeah. Yes, it is a heart week across the across the world, but especially yeah. for our friends in America. So, yeah. just know that we're thinking of you all. Yeah. Uh, in terms of content that's coming up this week, we have, as I've been saying, Loop Hero going live Monday night Japan time, Tuesday morning everywhere else. Uh, that's the new Devolver game. We also have. I'm going to be starting Greedfall. I've given mm-hmm. up on Akami because I'm just going to play games I want to play now, and I don't care, and I want to play Greedfall. So I'm going to play Greedfall. Do it. And uh, we're also going to be looking at Loop Hero on a stream mm-hmm. during the week and uh, probably get back to Noita as well because cool. I am pretty determined to finish a run of that game. I really do like it. That's a good game. It's a great game. Mm. It's like, oh, oh, it's a good game. Oh, I, also, um, I will also add, I credit sequenced Hades since we last spoke. Oh, hey! So, wait, credit sequence is in like you beat Daddy once or you've beaten Daddy Ten times. Ten times. Oh, you... Ooh. Oh, okay. Don't tell me. Yeah, tell no, me. I'm not telling you anything. That, no, like, proper credit sequence. Like, they but, play you is out. Is it worth it? Is it worth? There's more after. I'm not done yet. Like, there's still more oh. story after. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
spicy. All yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. Absolutely. Super fun. Congrats on, on your uh, 10 credit run. Thank you. All right, well, that does it for this week. Make sure that you go like, subscribe, follow, do all of that. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast.